y'all so much for such a beautiful song and uh, for such a true reminder today that it's not just about a manger, it's not just about a baby being born of a virgin, it's not just about the shepherds and all of those things, but it is about why he came and the ultimate end to the story of his life here on earth. Thank y'all so much for that. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. A text that many of you, once we begin looking at, I think we'll find pretty familiar, especially during the Christmas season. Some of you may have been looking at this in some of your uh, Christmas or Advent devotionals that you've been going through. And this morning we're going to look, mainly we know, I would say, verses 6 and 7. Those are the verses that we know really well from this chapter. But we're going to begin this morning in verse 1 and look uh, at the, the verses that build up the very familiar verses 6 and 7 before we get to for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and all of those wonderful names that Christ fulfills and carries before we see those there are some other things that we see that I think give us a really strong perspective about Christmas and why it really is something that we should celebrate together so if you would look with me, and we're going to begin, we'll get our introduction from Isaiah 9. I'm going to read verse 1, and then we'll see what we see there together. But in Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 1, it says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nation. This is really a bit of a history lesson, what we see here in verse 1. As we look at this verse, it, there's a lot of rich detail and a lot of rich history. And I'm not going to go into a lot of it in great detail this morning for time's sake. But I do want to point out a couple of things that are very important. He names some, the, the prophet here names some very specific areas. He names Zebulun, he, he names Naphtali, and Galilee was a part of those areas. So he's naming a specific region. And he's talking about how at one time there was a lot of gloom in those areas. There was a lot of contempt. There were bad times in those areas. And if you know much about the history of Israel, you'll recall that at one point in time, Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians. Another nation came in and they, they took them captive and they, they destroyed many of their cities and they killed many of the people and they deported them from Israel to a different area to come and make them live in Assyria. And these areas that are named here were the very first areas in Israel that ever went through that. They were the first areas that were taken captive. They were the first people that were killed by the Assyrians. They were the first cities and homes that were burnt and destroyed. And if you can think for just a moment what that must have been like, what the gloom, what the despair, whenever a, another people come in, and they take some of you captive, and they kill some of the rest of the people, and they burn your city, and they try and completely do away with all of the history that you've ever known. And while you're trying to mourn your loved ones that have been killed, you're taken away to live in a different place. If you can imagine for just a moment what things were like for them, what these people in these areas had been through. Now, they're back home now. They've been released. They're back home. But this is still part of their life. This is still something that they went through. But what the prophet is saying here is that these areas that have been through this, 
He says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. What he's telling us here is that this land that was the first ones to go through the really hard times is also going to be the first area that's going to get to see the glorious things that's coming. The promise that this virgin birth, this baby that's coming, this Messiah that's going to be the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, God is going to send him to this area, to the region of Galilee. So these people that have went through so many hard times will now have something to be excited about. These people that have had a hard life will now have the glory of being the first ones to get to see the great thing that is coming. And as I hear this and as I think about it in our current context where you live today, because I know the Assyrian conquest doesn't really make much of a difference in your life today. Uh, thinking about them being deported and them being attacked, it doesn't really connect with what you've done last week and what you're going to do next week. But this is what I want us to remember. All of the anguish, all of the gloom, all of those hard times came before Christ was given to Israel. And the promise was that after he did come, that things were going to be better, that their life was going to be different. And I want you to stop and think for just a moment, not about Israel, not about Assyria, but I want you to stop and think about yourself. And let me ask you this question, is that not your story too? Is that not my story this morning? That before Christ came, there was gloom, and there was anguish, and there were hard times, and things were not good. But the promise, the one promise, the one thing that changed all of that, was it not Jesus Christ? We have so much in common with the history of Israel that we see here, and I want you to think also about this this morning as I want you to celebrate. I want you to be excited. And I'll be honest, right now, not many of you look very excited. You look very sad about being here. I want us to be excited. I want you to think about it like this. Don't you like good times? And don't you like to get good gifts? And don't you like it whenever things go well? Don't you enjoy that? I had a couple of examples that I wanted to mention to you this morning of, of things I think are, are pretty good or are pretty exciting. What's tomorrow? Christmas, that's right. And so some of you will wake up in the morning, and because you were on the nice list, and because you wrote your letter early, you will wake up and you will have the gift that you wanted, and everything about it will be just like you wanted it to be. And isn't that an exciting thing? When you receive a gift that's just what you wanted, and it's just the way that you expected it to be, that's a good feeling. What about this? What about if someone came alongside, and some of you this may have happened to you before, and you have uh, some bills, most of us do, and you have some financial debt, and somebody comes along and says, I'm going to pay all of your bills and all of your debt that you have. I'm going to take care of it. Wouldn't you smile more than most of you are smiling right now if somebody told you that? So getting good gifts is a wonderful thing. But then think about it. When you're in a really bad spot, how much more those good things seem like? For some of us this morning, we could get a new toy tomorrow on Christmas, but the thing is, we already have so many toys 
You could get a new shirt, you could get some new clothes, but we already have so many shirts and so many clothes that it's exciting for a moment, but it's really not that big of a deal because we already had lots of toys and we already had lots of clothes. But imagine this for just a moment. If you were in the shape that because you're a house burned or because there was a flood or because you lost everything that you had, you don't have any toys. You don't have any nice clothes. You don't have any pots and pans to cook with. And then somebody gives you a really nice toy or some nice clothes or some pots and pans to cook with. How much more meaningful is a good gift when you don't have anything? Or if you think about not just somebody paying your debt for you, but you have been financially struggling for a long time. You've been living paycheck to paycheck, just barely scraping by. Everything you bought for Christmas, you put on a credit card that you can only pay the minimum payment to every month. And things are piling up and things are getting worse. And then somebody comes along and says, I'm going to take care of all your debt and I'm going to help you so that you won't have to deal with this in the future. How much more meaningful are good gifts when we're in a bad spot? Isaiah the prophet, through the wisdom of God, doesn't just start the story with Jesus is going to be born and the Messiah will come. He starts the story with the people were in bad shape and they were hurting and things were bad. But the Messiah is coming. Point one this morning, the only point that I have for you this morning, I've told you I'm not very good with points. I've got at least one, but here's the one. Jesus' coming is more than just good news. It's good news to people that have been in a really bad place. His coming is more than just good news. It's good news to people that have been in a really bad place. Look with me at verse 2 in Isaiah chapter 9. It, it helps paint the picture a little bit more. Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. He's continuing the same picture. He's trying to help us see the despair that these people were in. He tells us that they were a people who walked in darkness. That is their identity. These people, their identity are people that have been walking in darkness. And then he continues to say they have dwelt in a land of deep darkness. These are a desperate people. That term, deep darkness, is sometimes translated the shadow of death. That's what we get there. It's not just that it's really dark. It's this idea of the darkness that they are walking in. It's like walking in the shadow of death. These people have been through a really difficult time. Their life, their journey is one of great hurt and great despair and a lot of darkness and not very much light. But Isaiah says, stop for just a moment because these people that have been hurting and have been in so much darkness, now all of a sudden, you know what's coming to them? Some light. And not just any light. In verse 2 he says, a great light. They have seen not just a great light, we'd say the great light. Jesus himself is the light that was coming to these people that have been walking such a desperate situation. 
And so again, I say, I don't want you to just think of this like them. I want you to think about yourself, your life before Christ came along. Because I know most of us this morning, if we're being honest, most of you here this morning that are Christians, and maybe you've been Christians for a long time, your sin and your guilt is not something that weighs on you heavily because it's been forgiven for such a long time. Because Christ has taken away your guilt and your contempt, and for a long time you haven't worried about that. Because your eternity is secure, you haven't for a long time worried about what's going to happen to you after you die. But I want you to step back and remember, like these people, remember life before Jesus Christ. And I think if we could think about, if we could share this morning, all of the worries and concerns that we had, before we came to know Jesus. If we could share all of the bad things that we went through and all of the bad things that we did before Jesus Christ, it would be a great reminder of the hurt that we had before Him. I'll give you a few things I think most of us can identify with if you're having trouble thinking back to that spot. Most of us were living in a way that our life didn't seem like we had any hope. We didn't feel a lot of hope. We were just trying to make it until tomorrow. It's just, let me make it past what I'm going through today. Let me get past this crisis, and then I'll just see what happens, because I know tomorrow is going to be just as bad as today. But I just need to get it through this day. And we were walking around, and most of us were really nervous, and we were really anxious, and we were really worried. We didn't have this great hope, even when trials come, that this is tough right now, but it's going to get better. It was just focusing on trying to pass this crisis and there wasn't a lot of hope we just waited daily maybe hoping that chance would break our way or mother nature would give us a break and, and things would be a little bit better but we didn't have any real concrete hope in our lives i think most of us were focused on terrible things on earthly things on useless things in the end things that were going to pass away whether it was money whether it was time off, whether it was this or that, those, that's what we focused on all the time. Some of us, I guess probably all of us, if we're being honest, spent way too much time focused on me before Christ. We didn't care about anybody else. We might have given that, uh, that off. We might have seemed like we did because we don't want to look like bad people, but in the end, we just really worried about ourselves. Everybody else was just a means to make us happy, and that's what our life looked like before him. And every single one of us, whether you realize it or not, were slaves. We were bound by sin and had no way to get rid of it. John chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, but John 8, I'll read to you verse 31 through 34. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Says they answered to him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? But Jesus answered to them, Listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You see, we may not realize it, but before you were saved, you had to sin. You had no other choice. It had power over you that you could not defeat on your own. Those destructive habits, those terrible thoughts, those things that you did over and over and over before Christ, that's what life was. And without Christ, that's what life would continue to look like 
a people walking in darkness, living in the shadow of death. But then we start to get to the good news, right? I don't want you to get real sad. I know I told you I want you to be happy, and then I've spent all this time talking about sad things. Don't get real sad because that's just how things used to be. But then came Jesus Christ, and everything changed for Israel, and everything changed for me, and everything changed for you. Look with me back in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3. When Christ came, this is the prophecy that was going to be fulfilled. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Here we see a couple of subpoints. if you take notes. One thing that happens when Jesus comes into your life, there is great joy. With Jesus... There's great joy. This morning we see of them that one thing that, that came along with Christ was that the nation was going to be multiplied. The nation was going to be made larger. And the, the real story behind that is in order for the nation to really grow, there had to be peace so that they weren't being attacked, and there had to be prosperity so that they had enough that they could have more offerings, so that they could support more people. The promise was that with Jesus... There would be peace, and there would be prosperity, and that would bring about great joy. When Jesus comes into our life, there's joy, and it's not just a little bit of joy. It's not just a little bit happier. It's not an almost unnoticeable difference. No, what Isaiah tells us here is that when Jesus comes into your life, it's joy like they had at the harvest. Now, I don't know how many of you are gardeners in here. A few of you have told me that you plant gardens. Uh, some of you are more than gardeners. You are farmers. But if you think this morning, at the beginning of the summer, uh, whenever you start in the spring, wherever you start to get your garden ready, and all the work is ahead of you, right? You're going to have to break the ground. You're going to have to plant the seeds. You're going to have to make sure that all the fertilizer's right. You're going to have to hoe all those weeds day in and day out all summer. You're going to have to pray that there's enough rain or you're going to have to water and then you have to pray that these bugs don't come or that this doesn't happen so that the plants will make it but think about when that first red ripe tomato comes in and you pick that thing and you cut it and you make that first tomato sandwich some of you are smiling now right the harvest brings not just a little bit of joy it brings great joy because all of the worry that the plants might not come is over. They're here. The fruit of the labor is here. All of the work is now worth it, and you are excited, and you celebrate. And for them, people that lived off of the crops, the harvest was such a big deal because it was a blessing from the Lord that everything had lived and everything had made it, and now they would have all they need for another year. And they celebrated a big, huge celebration. What Isaiah tells us is when Jesus comes into your life, that's what it feels like. A big, huge celebration. Great joy. Excitement. Sharing it with others. Telling it to everyone. Jesus has changed my despair into excitement. He also said there in verse 3, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The same thing you think about people going into war, going into battle. 
and they would fight and they didn't know if they were going to win or not they didn't know if they were going to die or not but after all was said and done and the victory was secured and they had won and now all that was left to do is to say these people that we conquered they had this much livestock so you get these and you get these and they had this much money so you get this and you get this and they had this much land and this much so they're dividing the spoil they were so excited because the battle's over and the victory's won and they just have joy that's almost unexpressible Isaiah says that's what it's like when we go to, from the despair of life without Christ to knowing Christ with Christ there is great joy look with me also in verse 4 says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now, when it's saying his there, it's not talking about Christ. It's talking about the things and the people that have enslaved Israel and the things and the people that enslave us. But the burden of those things that enslave us, the staff of those that, that try to hold us down, the rod of those that try to oppress us, it says that Jesus, he's the end here, you have broken. Jesus, with Jesus, there is freedom. So with Jesus, there's joy. With Jesus, there's freedom. And, and I know that there are a lot of things that maybe even you here this morning as a Christian need to be freed from. There are things in our life that we need freedom from. For them, it would have brought back memories of Assyria. It would have brought back memories of Egypt when they were literally slaves. But for us, I know it's different things. And for some of you this morning, it's the guilt of your past. The things that you've done before. The person that you used to be, it still weighs on you. You still feel like that's your reputation and identity. And that's who you still are. But with Jesus, that's not who you are anymore. That's been taken away, and now you are a righteous child of Almighty God. That guilt is gone. For you, it may be that, that there's this overwhelming feeling that you can't live up to the expectations in your life. Whether it's the expectations of your parents or your spouse or your boss, but you just have this feeling every day that you're not living up to who somebody else expects you to be. But with Jesus Christ, those expectations, fall to the wayside and he says I accept you for who you are and I will help you get to where you need to be that feeling of not living up to those expectations maybe that's the, the, the oppressor in your life maybe it's loneliness and despair and depression that comes with it the truth is with Jesus you'll never be alone again he will be with you you will know his presence in Jesus, there is freedom from all of the things that we deal with. He shares the load. He carries the burden. He leads the way. He gives us the wisdom that we need. He is the one that we always know his presence. With Jesus, there's joy. We see it in verse 3. With Jesus, there's freedom. We see it in verse 4. I want you to see one more thing with me this morning. Verse 5 says, for every boot of the tramping warrior is ba in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What this verse tells us is that with Christ, the victory is secure. What this verse is telling us is that the boot of the tramping warrior, 
those that would have boots, the boots that you would hear whenever battle was coming, the, the garments that are rolled in blood of those that are fighting the battle. It says that they're going to be burned as fuel for the fire. What's that telling us? That they're not needed anymore. The boots of war, the garments of war, aren't needed anymore. Why? Because the victory is already secure. We don't have to fight to find our victory to win the battle whenever we come to Jesus. Because Jesus Christ, as they sang just a little bit ago, came not just to be born in a manger, not just for us to celebrate with wise men and angels. He came so that he would live a perfect life and give us that example, and so that he would die on the cross. And when he did, he offers us the opportunity to come to him in faith. And when we do, the battle's over. There's no more fighting. When we come to Him in faith and accept Him as Lord and Savior, He forgives our sin once and for all. We don't have to do it on our own. It's already secure. So what this verse tells us is that we have, or these verses, they tell us that we have joy and we have freedom and we have security in the baby who was born in the manger. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is so much more than a baby born in a manger. And then we do see the verses that we know well, and I'm not going to spend that much time on them this morning. But he is the wonderful counselor. He's the one that has the answer to every question that you have. He is the mighty God, the one who's strong enough to deal with any problem that we deal with in this life. He is the everlasting Father, the loving, caring, dedicated Father that unfortunately many of you may have never known on this earth. He is the type of Father that you should have always had that will always be there and that will always love you and that will always care for you and that will always watch out for you. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that brings about peace in our life when having peace doesn't even make sense. That's who the baby in the manger is. And he's also the Lamb that came to take away the sins of the world. John tells us that. So I ask you this morning because I know that there are probably at least a few of you here this morning that have never known Christ in this way. You've heard about a baby in a manger. You've heard about a man on a cross. But you've never known him as the one that brings you joy. You've never known him as the one that brings about your security, the one that's won the battle for you. You've never known him as the one that sets you free. The good news this morning is if you came in those doors, leaving behind a great darkness, walking every day as a slave to sin, walking every day hurting, going through the same pattern of where you hurt yourself and you hurt others and you just wish you could stop, but you do it over and over and over. The good news is Jesus Christ died so that that can end today. And he's here for you. The baby in the manger came the man on the cross. He died in your place. And this morning, you have the opportunity to accept him. If you don't know what that means, if you don't know what that looks like, I know that's a lot of church speak. If that means nothing to you, but you know this morning, I want to know more about that. I pray that in just a few moments when we have a time of invitation, that you would come and just tell me that. Say, Brother Zach, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what I need to do next. Because the good news is the Bible has told me what you need to do next. And I would love to share that with you.
here today, this morning. If you don't feel comfortable with that, let me know. We can set up a time this week or next week. I'll come to your house. You can come to church, but we'll meet, and I'll explain to you what that looks like. You don't have to walk in the way that you've been walking. Jesus Christ came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly and have it eternally. I know this morning there may be some of you here as well that are Christians, but for so long you've been trying to do all these things by yourself. You've tried to be mighty God. You've tried to bring about your own peace. You've been fighting your own battles, and maybe this morning's just a reminder to you, you don't have to. Christ came so that he could do that for you. And maybe this morning you just need somebody to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. We have steps on either side here that you can come and use as an altar. Come and lay those burdens down before the Lord. Seek his strength. Ask him to be all the things that you've tried to be yourself. You can pray right where you'll be standing in just a few moments. Maybe some of you have an announcement you need to make. You've come to accept the Lord and you want us to celebrate that with you. Maybe you'd like to join this church. I pray that you would come and let me talk to you about that. Show you what that process looks like. Set up a time that we can meet and discuss that further. But if you have something that the Lord's leading you to do this morning, I want to invite you to stand. And as we prepare for a time of invitation, Brother Shane's going to come. And you respond to the Lord and to what he's calling you to do. You do what he wants you to do this morning. And I pray that we'll be able to celebrate that with you.